Welcome once again to Talking in Stations. I am Matterall. I am the news director for Otani.com. And uh, we have the usual guys today. And uh, let's just do some introductions for our podcast fans. We'll start with uh, Tiberius Stargazer. Hey, Tiberius Stargazer, editor-in-chief of EVNT. Also, a DICE member along with me. We're both at NC DOT. That'll be relevant for oh this discussion. Oh my god, lady's gonna kill me. <laughs> She's literally gonna crucify me for that. Sorry, that's gotta come first, remember. Uh, we also have with us uh, Drayden Trovier. What's up? Uh, Drayden from Open Comms. That's right, but also uh, you're from Circle of Two. Uh, for now, uh, soon to be um, oh. Bastion. I hear, I hear oh. news in the air. News in the air. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> and of course, Dirk McGurk. Oh, oh, there's actually a story behind that. Yeah. Hey, I. Open comms. Uh, currently of the Bastion. Day into the Bastion. Came back from the war on the defense side. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dirk. Uh, and our guest today is going to be uh, Seraph uh, Basarab, who's. Um, a diplomat for Tissue, and uh, also a writer for EN24. Hi everyone, pleased to meet you all. <laughs> this is great, this is the first time, you know, I, you know, I've, read, I've read probably all of the things that Seraph has put out there. Uh, great writer, I think, um, yeah, he's got his biases, uh, but you know, a great writer, and this is the first time I've actually had the chance to talk to him, so uh, I was really kind of looking forward to this. Oh, that's good. I'm looking forward to this, too. All right, well, what's, uh, what we're going to get to in this episode is um, what is on everybody's mind, and that is the war that's uh, just starting up in the north. It's the first big war that we've had for about a year and a half in EVE Online. Uh, a lot of people are excited about it. There seems to be generating a lot of interest, um, and so we want to try to get people caught up uh, to how it started, where it's at now, where we think it's going to go what we think some of the underlying factors are and, you know, interesting things that um, people would need to know just to kind of keep up with uh, the narratives that are going on and stuff. All right. Put this out there for you guys. Uh, what do you guys, uh, besides the war, the other things that are going on that we, uh, we would want to cover first? Uh, um, go on. Uh, well, I, I was just going to say with the, um, I, I was telling you before the show, but the Rocket X put out a video with the, he was on the, the test server Sissy, and uh, he was showing some of the new fighter mechanics, and uh, uh, he showed uh, one of the new Dooms, well, two of them, but um, some of them they haven't uh, got worked out yet, so. They're looking good. They yeah. are looking really good. There's definitely some bugs and some things that uh, that need some tweaking and fixing. Um, uh, some of it is just actual uh, mechanics, and, and then some of it's actually like much numbers and stuff. Uh, with the Cone Doomsday, it's only meant to go 30 kilometers, but for some reason, it's uh, when you fire it on Sissy, it actually cones out 200 kilometers. So. Yeah, it's a bit excessive. <laughs> so that's a bit of a problem. Um, and then also the the thing with the, the heavy fighters, um, which are like the 
the replacement for the the heavy bombers or or bomber fight whatever they are. Um, fighter bombers. Yeah. Uh, the damage numbers on because um, uh, they have two different methods of attack. They have just their normal like gun attacks, um, but then they also have these torpedoes that you can. Um, they can have three volleys of torpedoes and you can launch those out. And uh, now the numbers were a little skewed because he's in a revenant, which boosts the damage quite a bit. Um, so you aren't going to see like those high numbers necessarily. But the damage is way too high uh, because he was shooting at a fully tanked um, avatar. And even when it was in armor, uh, one volley of those torpedoes were hitting it for like 340, almost 400,000 damage. Yeah. So I mean, like, if you had, you know, five or six, or yeah, actually even like two, three, three to five super carriers, and you put out like two, like two or three of these squadrons each, you could pretty much alpha a, a fully tanked Titan. I, call, nice. I mean, it's a it's a clear bug that's going on at the moment. Yeah, and so. CCP have said that. Um, yeah, at the moment, the DPS of fighters and fighter bombers is just a, way too much. Um, the first day the patch went live for the the changes, um, a court mate of mine, we jumped straight onto the test server, jumped into our supercarriers. Um, he moved me to a wormhole where he found uh, a fax and uh, or a forks, if you prefer. I prefer. Uh, and oh, fo Yeah. Um, and a Naglafar um, sitting on the site, so he landed with his Aeon and launched his uh, fighter bombers, set torpedoes off, and one shot the Forks off field. <laughs> you know, so they're like, and they immediately they went on and said, We will try to test these things, and this guy's coming and ganked us in the site. And it's like, ah, What can you do? Weren't there but some. Clearly something wrong with them. Weren't there some drones that would like. Maybe I saw this wrong. Weren't there drones that kind of suicide into something and explode? The shadow. What? What's the? Yeah, they were. They're faction things? drones. Shadows. Oh. Yeah, you could so. basically like say, you know, suicide run, and they would just go towards whatever the target was and explode for massive damage. Tora, yeah, Tora, Tora. The, uh, <laughs> the shadow fighter bombers. They have a special ability on them called uh, Supreme Sacrifice. I think it's called. I, I'm. Yeah. I'm just. Putting this out of my head because I Supreme saw it. Earlier today. You think it would yeah, be with the Amara like ones over, because they're like the fanatical yeah. group, but but uh, these these fighter bombers, apart from the fact it's obviously clearly glitched because the the Rocket X again released a video of things doing it and they like moving into a Nyx and bouncing backwards and forwards, obviously trying to get to zero on the Nyx, but they're moving at such a speed they can't quite do it properly. But when they do, they disappear and it's like putting this uh, Nyx into half armor from almost full shields. It's like straight away. And then the second one hits and the thing explodes. Finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like most of it seems like a, I don't know if it's an error in the formula for damage that they have, or if it's just they put in values that were higher than they meant to. But it doesn't seem like it's too hard of a fix because it's not necessarily the, well, as far as like the bouncing off, that's a problem. But I mean, like as far as just the damage numbers, it's not like a, it, it just seems like a, a value problem, not not necessarily like a mechanic problem. Yeah, it's it's um, it didn't seem to be working right anyway, because like one would ram it, explode; the other one would kind of bounce around for a while. So they're probably still yeah. working with that. Uh, but I thought it was interesting because I thought, oh, you know, these are drones that have different different abilities now. It's not just damage drones and stuff. Yeah, the um, the other thing that I, I thought was pretty cool is the the 
I think it's the heavy fighters um, get micro jump drives, but you have to you have to aim them. So you tell them, you know, you use like the three dimensional aiming mechanic that they came out with. And uh, now, can do they jump to where you? Uh, set them, or is it just always like a hundred kilometer jump, like the normal? It's always a hundred kilometers. Okay. Yeah, we were testing this out. It was always the hundred kilometers from where you it, Um But aside from that, they actually move pretty slow. They only go like six hundred meters a second. Um, so it, you could definitely like it's not, it's obviously something you're going to be using against bigger capitals, maybe even battleships and stuff. Because I mean, cruisers and frigates could just kite those things all day, and you'll never hit them. Yeah, and I think that's why you would use the. Um... Yeah, the use like the fighters. interceptor ones. Yeah, because yeah, they they're pretty quick. When they got the like warp drive on, they they'll easily keep up with a lot of frigates. Yeah. But maybe hey guys, I'm gonna try again. Uh, last time I tried this, my will certainly keep up with a decent number. Of yeah. Um, but I did like the fact that it's like you actually individually control each of the fighters. Like you, it, you almost like it's almost like a ship. So it like almost each gives it more. Yeah, well, a squadron. But I mean, each individual squadron, you control it like it's a ship. Like you have the different modules, you have to actually activate on different targets so it actually gives a lot more of a feel like you're actually in a carrier commanding all these different squadrons as opposed to launch fighters push f hope you kill something it's, yeah i mean it's all of that all of that is definitely going to bring in the skill behind the keyboard way more way more than what we're what we're used to today as far as capital ships go yeah, well, the yeah, ice boxes will love it. They get to go back to piloting multiple ships on uh, one client again. So Ch Chesser's yeah. going to be running capital <laughs> ships now. Yeah, yeah. Gonna be, he's going to be able to have his little movements per second or whatever the hell it is. Well, I, I forget uh, which which article I was writing about this, but I was saying that that capitals are now moving into the subcapital category as far as performance. That's that's how you deal with them. Uh, you actually you actually fly them, and you know uh, you have to do acts per second as opposed to launch and wait and wait and wait yep and you're gonna have to you know you're gonna have to manage your your ship as well right you know i mean what you know, while you're sitting there playing with these little details of 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 your fighters that you have out there you're still going to have to watch am i taking damage you know and and making sure that your uh ship is okay well right and then you i mean the the super carriers at least uh not sorry regular carriers but um they also have the the big aoe like remote um uh, disruption things and all that, so it's like you get, you got stuff to do with your ship on top of controlling all these fighters. Uh, the the remote bubble launcher was pretty sweet. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah, it's. I <laughs> love it. Why don't you describe uh, well, that a little bit for people who haven't seen it yet? All right. So what it is is, uh, you, and again, you use like the three dimensional graph uh, control mechanic when you want to shoot it. And I, I don't know the the max range on it. 150 ish, 100 kilometers. It shoots out pretty far, but. It um it kind of charges up and it's got a pretty sweet animation and then it launches out and then depending how far you shoot it but I think out to like 100 150 kilometers it would go I think he said it took about 10 seconds to get there and then the bubble would hit and it'd just basically be like a dictator bubble landing out there uh, the one thing is these bubbles are not they only last like 20 I think it's 20 seconds right now but I think he was saying that they're going to be 30 seconds on release yeah it was, it was 10 seconds in the test. But I think there's, um, from what he was saying, there was a skill-based increase oh, okay, um, yeah, so for get... the skill for using the modules. So for every skill you had, it added right, like right. an extra 10 seconds. So if you had it to five, it would last for 50 seconds or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. But well, it so hadn't been finalized or something. So I yeah. found the video for it. That's what you're looking at on screen if you're watching this live. He's launching a bubble. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's pretty cool because um these are not it's not going to be like dictors where you launch it and it's like sweet we got them locked down for a while it's more of like a temporary hold so mm. you kind of shoot it to it's to me it just seems like something you use to hold a fleet there until your dictors or hectors could get on target and um stun and and stun <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's a stun uh, it's one now, of those stop them getting away now what are the mechanics so, I, knock back and then, and then you gotta <laughs> then you gotta put the real bubbles on them but uh, one one of the things um, you, you didn't do anything with it in, the, in this video. Um, are you going to be able to warp to a fleetmate's fighter? So like, could he micro jump drive his heavy fighter, like launch a bubble, lock something down, while he micro jump drives his heavy fighters onto the target, and then the fleet could launch or warp down to those fighters and then lock bubbles on really quick? Or I don't think anybody's covered that. Because I mean, well, I mean that, that's, 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 that's like, really exactly. it's like, all right, I'll hold them down, and here's here's the go in button for you guys. So, yeah, I mean, you can't that's work with fighters and drones now, so I, I I wouldn't think so. Oh, no, maybe. Yeah, well, it's I mean, abandoned drones you can, but these uh, he specifically said you can't abandon these. Um, your fighters, it won't let you just abandon them out in space. All right, that's an interesting point there. Well, there's going to be a lot of things. I mean, these are so new. I think people are just starting to play with them and figure out how they work. Then there's going to be some layers of, um, you know, combining things um, before, you know, the metas start to really form and shake out and stuff like that. I think I've, I've been around long enough now to notice that, you know, people have initial reactions to things. You see it mutate a little bit, like they kind of change their mind about it. Then they start figuring out clever ways to do things. And then you start figuring out counters to clever ways of doing things. Like now, I think they had this thing called phishing, where if you were in a command destroyer, you would actually you would have two of them together. You would jump uh, to whoever your prey was. You'd grab them. The second destroyer would then shoot you an, an additional 100k away, and you would basically kidnap, you know, some target. And uh, so people who would hang out in front of stations, thinking they were safe, would actually get you know taken off. Um, and I've heard now there's kind of like they're developing counters for that. Is that true? Any of you have heard of that? Uh, I don't. I I know that. Uh, I guess we'll get to that later. But there's that that one pilot that uh, used that mechanic to warp to split up the uh, Imperium fleet. Oh, we'll get we'll get to that in just a second. Yeah. No, but what I, I know it's good for that. What I've heard is if you have something, if you're baiting, you have something. Uh, out in front of a station and these guys try to grab you you launch your command destroyer and uh, you you basically get that kidnapped along with them and then you warp them those two destroyers to where you want them to be it's very elaborate I don't you know maybe it happened once and probably unsuccessfully but there's you know there's counters now that are starting to be developed for that kind of behavior that's I mean, pretty cool people always figure out a you know a way to uh, metagame something which is uh, pretty good i know when they first came out people were using it to catch uh, jump freighters people would undock their jump freighters and like a, on a you know like they they jump them into the low sec system right on the border of high sec and then they undock getting ready to warp over to high sec and if they're not paying attention people would you know i thought that their, uh, that didn't work on capitals yeah. though did it does it no i thought i thought i heard that people were I, it never happened to me but i, I, I think that was a theory careful they're doing that I think that's a theory, but I don't think those destroyers can move capitals. 
Oh, we're looking at they, now. They can't move capital ships. Yeah. Someone, someone gave me a warning about it, so I was kind of super panicked for the first couple weeks after those came out. Yeah, there was a lot of like. I actually thought the same thing. I thought you know, jump, be a lot, a lot of yeah, jump uh, raiders are dead. Was, <laughs> that was true because when you are docking a jump raider, you just seem to sit there forever. Well, uh, you're uh, lining out the station with the uh, with that. Uh, micro jump aoe thing um it takes a bit to spool up and so if you're paying attention you could just dock back up in your jump later before they warped you off so if you're watching for it you shouldn't get caught for it but if you're just one of those like okay warp to gate i should be fine then you like alt tab out to something else you might come back to you know a pod yeah but we know the rule of eve there's always somebody that does that oh yeah yeah there, i mean people <laughs> still autopilot jump freighters through high sec with no sino alt all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play along. I'm not I'm new at this uh, streaming thing, but I, I know you're supposed to interact with the audience because it uh, brings them along, and we want them to feel like they're brought along. So, one of the questions here is, uh, do you guys have favorite Gatorade flavors? Yeah. So there you go, Seika. You got me to do some. <laughs> what are the What are the flavors? Uh, there's the Gatorade, then there's the Gatorade ears, which are just more flavorful, I guess. They got more sugar in them or something. And green one of those is definitely my favorite. Well, so, so I still like, well, I still like them in the line, but I, I like orange uh, of the Gatorade Zero. Yeah, I'm with you, Dirk. I, I tend to agree with Dirk on just about everything, including Gatorade <laughs> flavor. Gatorade? Even Gatorade. I don't like Fruit Punch. I've never liked Fruit Punch. Yeah, well, you know, I, like I went through a phase just like, well, we won't get into uh, girl pre uh, preferences. I would say I would say red is the best because with all the other ones, you get colors on your tongue that looks like you went down on some mythical creature. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm from the UK, and I have no idea what Gatorade is. What? I like literally have no idea what Gatorade, Gatorade it's, is. It's where we get our freedom from. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It is, it's yeah, um, yeah, it's like the Powerade, energy. Gatorade. Yeah, no, it's not energy. We have Lucasade. I don't know if that makes sense. Lucasade. That's <laughs> what? That sounds absolutely tyrannical. It, it, that's probably it. What they have what King? They have King George Aid. Yeah. Oh, Stella Artois. Probably. Do, do yeah, probably. Probably, uh, Stella Artois, orange, and that's it. They're done. Now, <laughs> does uh, like European football, or I'll just, I, I'll just call it football because I don't even want to start the whole American football thing. But uh, does football? I mean, don't you guys dump the Gatorade bins on uh, on the coaches if they win, or or I know the coaches dress up a lot nicer. In your guys' football, no, so you, you don't, don't want to be, ru you don't to be ruining their their, their three thousand pound suits. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, so not doing that. Tailor made in, in Savile Row. And all our our coaches just wear hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, so we've been derailed. We're getting back on track uh, oh, yeah. just now. Let's uh, let's get back to Eve Online. Let's talk some some war. I'm going to bring up an article that was on the Matani.com, of course. And if you can see there, that's uh, this talks about a, a battle that happened. Uh, gosh, was it two days ago now? The CSA yes. battle. Yeah, I have to admit, I've been flying so much, I've lost track of time, uh, and I don't know why that is. It's uh, and Tiberius has been flying twice as much as me. Oh, yes, I have. Seraph, have you that been ha, have you been involved in the war? Of course you have, but how involved have you been? Uh, pretty involved there whenever I get a chance to uh, join in fleet. Most of the stuff that I do though nowadays is like Skype online and just talk with people and figure things out. 
Uh, I'm essentially a kid with a box of matches, and I want to see who else wants to join me to burn the house down. Oh, is that how it is? Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about, like, either your background or, you know, tissue and how maybe this got started? Um, well, I guess my background, the relevant bits of it was... Well, hold on. I should introduce you because, I don't know if I said this early on, you're a diplomat for Tissue, and Tissue is one of the first groups into this war, hired by I Want Isk. Well, actually, I don't yeah. know if you can say if they were or weren't yet. I'm, I'm a little weary of being called a diplomat because even though I guess I kind of am, we don't really have official hats in Tissue, so mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like hit or miss but yes essentially that's that's kind of what i do and uh yeah we got involved in this because i want us decided to pay us a bunch of money to mess with sma but we were never like any on any sort of anti-goon crusade we were just kind of like all right somebody wants to throw like a bunch of money at us we'll go do this thing for a few months and see if it's still fun and at the end of it we'll see where we go from there but you yourself have been a, a pretty strong critic of uh, the Mitanni, of Scion, of um, Goon Swarm in general, and the Imperium. Uh, you call them the CFC whenever you write about them. Why do you do that? Uh, I think for me, I generally enjoy to be a critic of a lot of different groups. The only difference is that the CFC or Imperium or whatever, they're basically the biggest group. They're the most visible. They're the ones that put themselves out there. They're the ones that give me content to play around with, you know. Um, you know, I've also written about other war leaders like Vince Draken and Shadu and others like that, but they're not as public, so I don't have as much to work with, you know. And um, I guess for criticisms, um, if I had to level one big criticism around um, that I kind of feel more strongly about is I feel that the CFCs kind of monetize their player base too much at the expense of actually playing the EVE game. Don't get me wrong, I have nothing wrong with people wanting to make real money off of this game as long as it's done legally, of course. But I think sometimes it can get to the point where you water down the actual quality of the content that you provide for your people and that's where it becomes problematic. There's a lot of people who say um, um, that perhaps you know, you know the Imperium has tried to monetize its player base. Um, can you define what you mean by that? Well, for example, I mean, to, one thing that came up to mind is whenever they were uh, pushing the H1Z1 thing, for example, or this whole planet side thing. And basically, Mittens has, or as I call him, Mittens, Matani, whatever. Uh, he, he has this huge player base, which are basically at his beck and call, more or less, and uh, he can divert that mass of population towards these different games and work out his various situations or deals or whatever. I can't say that I know the specifics of it, and I'm not really necessarily saying it's wrong. I just think that maybe it's done to the extent that it actually harms the Eve side of things. Well, I mean, when you have, when you have a a large group of people. I mean, various communities out there, whether it be Pandemic Legion, whether it be, you know, the, the Imperium, whatever, uh, they've got players who play other games other than EVE as well. Um, sure. I mean, is it really somehow trying to monetize their you know particular group? Um, I mean, granted, in the case of the Matani.com, and I don't know the details either, um, you know, there, there may be some tie back to H1Z1, or there may be some tie back to, to planet side. But when you talk about the numbers that are involved, I mean, it's really not that many numbers. I mean, when you look at how many people are in the Imperium versus how many people go and play these, th you play these games, I know that when I went and looked into H1Z1, I met a lot of people under the Imperium banner that, that actually didn't play EVE. They had come through and joined up with 
what I'll call the Imperium side from within H1Z1 itself. There really weren't that many from Eve who were actually doing it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the specifics numbers on it. And I don't, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it. I just think that certain ways of doing it might be problematic. Yeah, I mean, it is something that's kind of cast out there. I mean, and granted, at times you can see jabber pings for this, you know, or, or, or whatever. Um, I think what you have is, I think what you have with the Imperium, okay, and this is from somebody who's who's not deep core, you know, into it, right? You know, it's more, I'm, I'm part of the Imperium, so I see kind of, you know, some of the stuff that's going on. Um, you have people where it is this social, social community, you know, in a way, who are also playing these other games, and they, they do facilitate that in some ways. I'm not saying that they're not somehow making making some money off of it somewhere. I just can't imagine it's that much. Um, but you know, it's like when when people say that they're monetizing their player base, I don't know. I think that I think that in a way they're they're providing a bit of a service for their player base as well in terms of you know saying hey. You guys like playing together over here. Would you like playing together over there as well? Because we know that you're going to play other games. But that has been a criticism of. Uh, I think it, I think it really ticked off a lot of people, especially when uh, Eve Online is struggling to have concurrent numbers. To say like, I think I remember when it came out because um, NC was trying to defeat, uh, or actually trying to get into, or skirmish uh, in Fountain, and they were pretty unsuccessful. And so you know uh, the the imperium looked pretty mighty and almost you know kind of like smug like you know we've won this game they they you know nobody can really take us on and that was just kind of out there uh then they cha had this big announcement where they changed their name to the imperium uh and took off to a different game and it kind of felt like we won this game we're out of here see you later and i think people felt really strongly about like hey you're abandoning uh, uh you're abandoning the game and making it you know worse after you won and left you know you can win let us beat you. <laughs> well, I guess the question is, you know, were they possibly abandoning it? Or or had the game just kind of... The game had kind of stagnated at that point. Yeah. I mean, you know, following the Halloween yeah, War... I can't disagree with that. You know, so, so, I mean, you had a lot of people who were, you know, out there not playing, you know, not playing EVE. But when something happened in EVE, boom, they were back. I mean, EVE is like this home base for, for a lot of, you know, a lot of players. Especially veterans, who who they're not out there ratting every day anymore. They're not out there mining every day. You know, they're not out there making money every day anymore because they don't have to. So therefore, they're kind of on call. They're on like that bat phone sort of thing. And when content picks up, boom, they kick in. Um, but when it's not, they're doing other things. Yeah, and I think the flip side of that is you go into a different game with a whole you know raiding party. People look at you and say, "Hey, that looks pretty fun. Can I join you?" And they join from other games. Then when they come back to Eve, they actually come back with more numbers. And so it kind of works both ways. But I can see what the reaction was, you know, that uh, the, the game's hurting while you're taking players out of Eve. I can see the very natural reaction of protecting uh, Eve Online. I would actually even side up against that. Actually, I don't even think that's an issue because I think if a different game is better and can provide a better community than, you know, survival of the fittest. I think for, for me, something that kind of made me wince a little bit was kind of the whole coalition name change because, you know, I have no problem with people reinventing themselves and changing their names, but it was done specifically in large part because of that sort of monetization. And it kind of felt cheap. You know, I don't feel like 
Mittens or the CFC owe me anything. You know, I'm not on their side. You know, we're not family or anything like that. But it just felt, um, I don't know, inauthentic, I guess. I don't know. Your picture here kind of makes you look like, you know, the uh, the Arabic uh, stepbrother of Mitanis. You guys have the same you have the same coat. Well, the the weird thing is, like, I remember when like the the name change was first coming about, and uh, I mean, I was like, why? What? What? What is the point of changing the name? And I, I don't know if it was because of the the Kickstarter for that book. The guy was writing the book, and he I know one of the points he was making was I can't use a lot of these alliances' names or these characters' names because. <laughs> You know, you can't be like writing a book, but and then the clusterfuck coalition. It's like, <laughs> I mean, at the time, I, I was thinking that as well, and, and I was kind of like, oh, who's the guy that does the PR at CCP Manifest? Is it? Yes, um, I think so. Yeah, yeah Manifest. I, I I just could imagine Manifest skipping around his office, but the largest player group in Eve had decided to change their name into something that they could actually put into a mainstream publication without going, oh. Oh my god, what is going I, on? Here? I don't know if that was the reason. I, I doubt that's actually the reason for the name change, but uh, it was. Yeah, well, I, it, I have to think it was a change in attitude. I mean, let's face it, when, when you say, oh yeah, we're the clusterfuck. You know, um, I, I, I think there is um, um, an idea towards creating something that is a little more marketable. Mar or, you know, it, you know, however you want to put it. I mean, it could be marketable. It also could just be that they wanted to. You know, get away from that. We're just a bunch of rabble going around screwing stuff up. Into we want to actually be a more like well-oiled machine organization, and we want to seem more, uh, well, you know, not necessarily professional, but just more more organized and uh, as opposed to just a bunch of rabble. Not just that, but you know what? There's there's a, a, a lot more narrative that you can build behind the name Imperium, and, 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 I, and I have no idea why they did it. To, to be perfectly, I have no idea why they why they did it. But you know, there is a lot more narrative that you can build behind the name Imperium than there is behind the Clusterfuck Coalition, right? I mean, you can go That's into that true. whole Imperial type thing now, yeah. and you know, Space Rome. Yeah, Space but, Rome. But but here's here's one thing that they could have done better. Sorry to cut you off, Tips, but no. I think. It would have been nice if they would have kept with the theme of, of their whole image, you know, so maybe this kind of sounds stupid, but I thought, you know, the name something along the lines of the hive or, or something B-ish, I guess, would have been great to maintain it. Whereas with Imperium, is it an Amar thing? Why is it an Amar thing? But it's up north, you know, and for some people who are kind of semi-lore nerds like me, it seems it, it doesn't really match up, you know, it could have. It could have been done better, I guess. Well, I thought it was um, a throwback. It's like direct. Oh, sorry, Tiberius, go right ahead, right. please. I, I, I'm going to take that idea a little bit further. That Sarah sort of said, um, keeping it with, you know, the theme of who they are and what they are, um, and go back that it's a lot of people felt like it was almost a betrayal of past history because one thing about Eve, in comparison to many other games is that names and organizations and people have meaning. And to suddenly up sticks and change that, a lot of people felt that was kind of, hey, we were fighting the Clusterfuck Coalition. You you guys were the Clusterfuck Coalition. Why have you abandoned this? This is your identity and this is who you are. Why are you sticking by that? Ah, maybe, maybe they grew up. <laughs> Maybe. I, you no, know what I mean? But they said this is a stupid name to begin the, with. There's still a lot of people in the Imperium that still like, no, we're 
there's a lot of people that just refuse to go with the the name Imperium, and most of them still just call themselves the CFC. You know, they, they still exactly. go by that. You know what I think it kind of is? You know, when you start a game and you're maybe not really that into it, and you don't know how long you've been playing with it, you go in with the name something like Gabe for Pay Sixty Nine, and then like a year or two later, <laughs> two years later, you're like, oh man, this kind of sucks. I wish my name was something else. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I think that's part of it. Definitely, I think Dirk's exactly right. They grew up or they transitioned to a different stage. I think they went from let's. Uh, Let's be what um, an insurgent force to Eve. Let's be irreverent and not really like buy into this whole serious spaceships, right? Their whole thing was making fun of the game while they lost at it as fast as they could. And at some point they realized like, whoa, we're the only we're the last guy standing. So let's transition to a more, you know, theatrical, responsible, even a throwback to the Amar Empire and see if we can build a narrative that way. I mean, I think it started out very Amarian, right? Weren't they trying to say they were going to... Yeah, they were coming to Providence. That was the first thing they were going to do, and they were going to burn the place down because they didn't like yeah. the... Uh, I thought that was well, pretty I, clever. They were trying to trick Pravi into defending thing. the queen. Yeah, I mean, the whole Max Singularity thing, right? Yes, right. that thing. But, but but I don't think it was, like, you know, meant to be a long-term Amar roleplay type thing. No, but it does... I, it's funny because, you know, Mittens and uh, Goonswarm came in dismissing that kind of, you know, I'm going to get on C-A-O-D and make speeches uh, to my enemies about how we're going to come and crush you. Like, that was a tradition. You can see it. It's one of the things that um, Andy uh, Groen talks about in his book when he talks about it is how that tradition is kind of gone. It used to be kind of theatrical, and that's gone. And a lot of that was ushered out by uh, the, uh, you know, Mittens and the Goonswarm. And it's funny that they're the ones now trying to preserve it. It's kind of like you rebel against your parents and then you become your parents. I mean, well, I, I don't know. I mean, what, you're saying that the propaganda that comes out of the Imperium now is less theatrical than it used to be? Oh, no, I think it has a different vibe to it. I think it's uh, it's almost a little more establishment. You know, it's still kind of, it's it's still, it's ironic, <laughs> but... Out there is <laughs> the Bernie Sanders coalition against the Imperium. Yeah. Oh God! It's it's the out group. The out group becomes the in group, and then they start acting like oh, it, it happens all the time in history, and you know, continue to happen. And it happens in Eve. We see that with this. Well, one of the criticisms is that that uh, you know the bees have become Bob. Isn't that one of the criticisms happening these days? Yeah, Bob 2.0 basically is. Yeah, I think that's usually everyone but goons sees goons pretty much. That's usually leveled by disgruntled uh, goons who say you've become the enemy. You know, people who used to like goons but don't anymore. Yeah, to an extent, and I mean, you know, even though that sort of line of thinking favors you know my side in this conflict or whatever, I have to recognize that a lot a lot of times people are just nostalgic for the past, you know, because they only remember the good side of things, and then they just kind of play off of that. Right. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about what's going on. Um, like I said, the I think I gave some background on this on this uh, conflict last episode, so it's on a podcast if you want to see it uh, or hear it. Um, but I'll go back and review it just uh, for. I think this was not something that just happened out of I want Is going to war with SMA. Yeah, definitely not. This was in the works uh, probably since December. And maybe even before that, but there's definitely been like, you know, we got to find the right moment to strike at 
the Imperium because once Citadels come out, they're going to be able to cement themselves into, um, you know, into winning this game in a real way. Like, there'll be no way to overcome them at that point. They were already having trouble overcoming them. NC couldn't do it. NCBL couldn't do it. Uh, NCBL, PL, maybe, you know, if you get all these big uh, alliances against them, you know, maybe they could do it. Who knows? But it wasn't really happening. So when this conflict arose and I want ISK just got thrown into this, um, you know, where they were pulled into it through this, I mean, it was just, it's almost like the war started in a small town somewhere way away from the big cities that normally do the brokering. Somewhere in Bosnia. Yeah, yeah. Right. It really reflects World War. Somebody threw a bomb in Sarajevo and look what happened. <laughs> yeah, World War One is what it feels like. Yeah, it's I mean, just... So I really think that, that they kind of got drawn into it, and all of a sudden this money comes pouring out to hire, uh, you know, uh, psychotic tendencies, right? Tissue, you guys got that call? Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't just us. Just to be clear, there was also uh, yeah. a few other groups. It was actually like involved. 20. It was not small. There were small groups, but there was like 20, 30 of these guys. Yeah, it was a, it was a combination of groups. Um, but I think uh, one thing that should be noted is that there was a lot less coordination between the groups than Mittens would like us to believe. Like, even in October, he was saying that Gobbins was, like, setting up this coalition to come destroy the goons and therefore destroy the game, so we have to step up and stop them. No, it wasn't any of that, because I was probably one of the most vocal people about actually trying to do something like that, and 80% of the people that I spoke with were basically like, no, sir, if you're dumb, it's never going to work, and now look where we are today. Yeah, I actually, I, I took that seriously. I think Matani may have taken it seriously or maybe too seriously. But, you know, if you have a few people who uh, can inflict some kind of damage and people see that, you know, that, oh, the king bleeds, you're going to get a dogpile effect. And when the big guys start arriving, which is exactly what's happening now, it's a real threat. And I believe that the Imperium is actually in, you know, under a lot of, pre not a lot of pressure. It's very early. It's very early and this can go either way. Uh, but they are definitely, for the first time in this uh, a few days ago, you've seen head-to-head, -head, pinging all day, two major armies fighting each other with their max numbers and Imperium losing badly. Yeah, it, uh, oh, and getting outnumbered. Right, right. Exactly. Now, I mean, that's something that I never, ever, ever thought. I mean, I've, in one way or another, been put up against the goons um, in conflicts for the last oh, two years at some point and I've never ever seen the force come and outnumber the goons at all and then we had the fight two nights ago and we outnumbered them by about all like PL, NC and all the other groups it was like it was easier to actually just say shoot anybody that's red anybody that's neutral just leave them alone because there was so many different groups involved in it, and we outnumbered it by about 300 to 400 people. Yeah, well, and, uh, I've never seen it. Well, I mean, you have to, well, I mean, the goons are the goons, the Imperium, CFC, going going back in, going back until to, to when? Uh, Fountain? I mean, certainly pre-Halloween uh, War Fountain. I mean, they always tend to get off to a slow start, and yeah. then the juggernaut gets rolling, right? And I think that when you go back to when you go back to content ring, I mean, even before this stuff in Fade with Space Monkeys and all that, when you go, you know, th there hasn't been a full call-up, you know, mm. made where it's like, okay, put the entire, put the entire weight, you know, behind it sort of a thing. Um, 
Yeah. And and I think that that allowed for that allowed for some blood to get in the water. It attracted more sharks to the to the pool. They saw that there were more people, you know, amassing in these out there. And now you have almost everybody up in the zone, up in the area, right? I mean, you know, so it's uh, you know, it's now well, one of those moments where where they're going to have to call for the full weight. Well, right, and, and I, I like you're saying that the like the goons are get they're sending out all these range pings all day and they're getting outnumbered, and I'm wondering if it's just because of how complacent uh, the CFC has gotten, just from the lack of content uh, as far as full scale wars. I mean, yeah, they've had content deployments, and I think a lot of people aren't very excited about those, and so. They see these pings, and maybe there's just a lot of people not even watching Jabber anymore. They're just like, eh. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, it seems like goons are losing some stuff here and there, and maybe uh, Mittens will come out and do uh, a speech from on high to the people and, you know, rally them up or something. But Here's, well, the, here's two things. The horn that of Gondor I'm... will get sounded at some point, right? <laughs> yeah. Here's, uh... door. here's two things that I have to note. <laughs> One is the people that are actually working together. The idea that Snuff, Shadow Cartel, and PL are on the same side in any conflict is just beyond insane. Like, this is completely unheard of, you know? The other thing is, what I'm looking at this, when I'm looking at this conflict, I have to note that on the CFC side, you essentially have arguments that, well, the enemy will get bored, or they don't want sob, or eventually we're going to call in a bunch of people that are going to resub, and then we'll win. Whereas on the other side, I'm seeing victory after victory after victory, something that's concrete. And that may change, but right now, it looks completely one-sided. Right. Well, and uh, back to uh, um, what you guys were saying earlier with the, the fact that, you know, with the, the blood in the water, you know, once... Now that there's actually been, it's not just some fights that are being won, it's actually like system timers and stuff like that, and it's just victory after victory for, you know, the other forces, you're going to, I think people will start dogpiling, and maybe not massive groups, but just, you know, more and more people want to, you know, come jump on it, so it might become an actual, like, serious, like, big-time threat for the goons. You but tell this, me, oh, this isn't the real test, this isn't the big test at the moment, because... At the moment, the goons control four or five regions. I think it is uh, like with uh, them and their allies and everything. I think else. it might be like five, five or six. Five or more six. than that. Yeah, yeah it's... more than that. No, they they, so, they actually uh, own nine. Nine. There you go. Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah. Nine. Even more than nine. Well, actually, and if you include the NPCs that are neighboring, they own, they cover eleven. Okay. Well, yeah, but the, the those NPC zones are full of people that hate goons. So, oh, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Like, like, so, we, yeah, we we don't control the sister space, and we don't control. I, I figured you guys just use it as a feeding ground or something. And hey. what 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 we've got to remember is is the um, fuzzy sob ages sob favors the compact groups, um, the groups that can be in the small area and very quickly respond and very quickly deal with any incursion or threat into their area. At the moment, you've got this huge space. So, yes, I think, I think, and I'm kind of looking forward to, we'll make a lot of progress in the short term. But the real test is when you're going to hit that brick wall, when um, people are pushed back and you need to push through them to get to your objective. That's going to be the real test. And that's the bit I'm really looking forward to. That's the yeah. fighting. It's going to be yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to you've got to go back to back to when the Imperium consolidated follow uh, following 
are leading up to Fazisov, right? They were spread all the way down to the south, um, contracted back, reorganized. Then, about three weeks later, they made the changes to to um, systems, you know, in terms of the number of anomalies and the quality of anomalies and things like that, right? To the point where, if that had been known two weeks or a month earlier, I almost wonder if the Imperium would have contracted even more because you could have had higher player density at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you know, there's, there's a bit of it that you know, th that is probably still overextension out there because nobody was attacking it. And I, I, I would guess that you're going to see um, um, fallback in some areas out there, yep. you know, and, and stiffening uh, and stiffening of the lines. Um, you know, not so much as a matter of we didn't want that space anyways, but more along the lines of that's just what you do when when the war is brought to your doorstep. I think that's a very good point. I think they're still bigger than they can cover. And I think you're seeing soft spots in areas where the locals aren't able to protect the borders and stuff. And that, when you have asymmetrical warfare, you can't have reinforcements going in all different directions. Um, you know, at least not the way that uh, the Imperium fights. They fight all together in the same place. So. Well, and, and what's, you know, and what's different about this war is there are multiple fronts on this war right now and that is exactly uh one of the things that aegis sovereignty allowed for in a much better way than the dominion sovereignty system even if these disparate groups are not working together completely in an organized way um the mere fact that so many are hitting here and here and here um creates a dynamic that that I don't think has happened in any of these wars. I mean, you go back again, go back to the Halloween war, go back to the fountain war. Everything was tip of the spear, everybody all in one right. place. Nobody hitting anybody's well, backfield. The, Nobody, during know. the fountain war, um, there was that point where, uh, was it Black Legion um, was hitting some stuff back, uh, back up there. A little bit, and then they got uh, bought off and went away. Well, right, but um, like you said, that was during the Dominion Sov, so CFC knew, like, oh, we got we got plenty of time. We'll just let them hit that for now because we've got objectives down here in Fountain we're going to hit. And then once we have a lull in those and they found like the right time in between timers, they're like, okay, now we have time to spend a day to go up and and they would just go back up and like clear whatever, you know, Black Legion had done. But that now with this new soft thing, it's a lot faster. It's a lot, you know, uh, it, it's not something you can just like take a break from what you're doing and then just go handle it for a day or two and then go back to what you were doing. You have to actually split yourself up to defend across the board all the time, or else you're gonna lose yeah. stuff and not be able to like stem the bleeding from it. And that's the important thing as well. It requires constant maintenance all the time. Um, you, if you're unable to provide the manpower to maintain that, and particularly when you get systems where iHubs are being taken down, it makes it a lot easier to move in and start um, reinforcing those systems. You need the manpower to maintain them. and if you haven't got it, then what can you do? Yeah. But the 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 real the real test is going to be when you get to that breaking point, whether there's going to be the full stop, and the Imperium's going to say, nope, we're not going to take fall back any further, and we're going to start pushing back, or the Allies, or as quite hilariously as they're called in a lot of places now, the Money Badger Coalition, yeah. Um, yeah. manages to break through that, and that is going to be the, break, the turning point of this conflict. Well, and it's, uh, it, 
it also seems like there might have to be a change in tactic entrance, which which has happened before, like in the start of the Fountain War when goons first went in there. The first month of that was not good for us. We were like, oh, we're going in. It wasn't goons. It was the CFC at the time. Oh, I like... keep saying goons. Okay, so, so the CFC <laughs> uh, goes in there. We're like, we got Caracal fleets. They're cheap, disposable. We got tons. We're just going to slam these out, and if they get blown up, we don't care. We'll just keep throwing them in, and that wasn't working. We weren't killing our targets. We were constantly getting bombed and blown up and destroyed, and so we had to switch up. We changed doctrines. We went to the... Uh, uh, shit, what was that... The, the Galenti battleship, I forget what it was. The, the like, Mega. The Baltex. Oh, yeah, we the went to the Baltex. Yeah, the Mega. One thing, one thing to distinguish this conflict from Found is that now the CFC's enemies, there's no metric to measure beating them. There's no soft to take from them. So it's a lot harder. Because last time, once Tess started losing large groups of, of soft in a, in a fountain, it was kind of like a, a symbol of their failure to be able to stand up to them. That worked on their morale. And then the other thing to note is that the way that war is fought now is just different simply because of Aegisov and how you need to have a preliminary sort of skirmish phase before you invade. And that's the role Tissue took in this conflict for a month, two months or so. And then later on, whenever Pandemic War came up, we just saturated Fade with complete hell on them. And they went from over 5,000 members to 3,000 members in, in that time of, uh, the time of the conflict. Now, now, am I correct in saying that? Okay, now, you know, now that NC dots up here, the Russians are hitting stuff back, back in there. I'll call it backfield or whatever. And you know, they, NC dot is sort of abandoned, or is in the process of abandoning whatever they had rolling around down south. Yeah, there's some. Uh, well, actually, it's very interesting. I think the story's next chapter is not written yet. I know that. Um, Actually, I cannot confirm, but I have heard rumors that Solar is going to enter this conflict. On which side? Nobody knows. And that's going to be, be surprised if the Russians don't very big weight. Actually, Excess Death would, has said they're going to stay neutral even though they've hit a few targets. Uh, and I believe um, at this point they are going to stay neutral and stay out of it. Um, but it, Solar and the other Russians are coming, apparently. And it would be, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what side to go on because um, CFC was doing the honorable third party thing, but it essentially was we're going to go down and help Solar and the Russians yeah. in their war. Um, so that might, you know, maybe it's like, a, hey, we had your back, come get our back. But at the same time, they might be like, let's let yeah, let's topple this giant and then, you know, divvy up the, the spoils after that. So. I just, I just want to back you, up. You never know what the Russians. You never know what they're going to do. They're they're so. I don't think they ever know. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I, well, I, I I think they do, and I think that there's probably you know a lot of negotiating going on out there right now and back back channel stuff. But I see um, them as like anonymous. You know, like they're like, hey, what what should we do today? Anonymous. <laughs> um, I just want to go back and and, and reply to Alpha uh, because he brought up you know how about we get some Imperium leaders on and less speculation. Um, um, We're gonna have Scion on next week, by the way. He was gonna do tonight, um, but he was busy, and we're gonna have him on next week. Yeah, um, but even besides that, um, a lot of this stuff is about speculation. I, you know, and I, I hate to say that because, look, yes, we can have leaders on from all over the place and they can give us what their party line is. But, you know, in a way, these all of these shows, this one and other ones out there, are about what people are seeing and what they think might be going on and, and, and talking about it, right? Um, it'd be great if you could get the 
real word out of anybody out there. But I can tell you right now, any leader that we brought in from any side they're not, is going they're not to give say their... what's being said in back channel. That's, yeah. that's also true with FCs, uh, and that's true with everybody in EVE. Like, nobody owns the narrative. It's, a, it's kind of in, up to interpretation. I think everybody on here, Seraph included, has earned, like, through years of experience, I mean, and we're talking years of experience in the game, has earned the right to look at the game and think about the past and put perspective on the future. Um, that's well, there's no, I mean, there's just no telling. I, and this, you know, this goes back to things like name changes and monetization. Any of these things, any of these decisions that get made, sometimes there's just no telling why they did something. You know, maybe there's no telling why they didn't, you know, blow full deployment, you know, over in fade or, or something like that, right? You know, and really go full tip of the spear, um, you know, you know, into things. Maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it's just suck everybody into the north for this battle that they wanted to happen. Maybe it was complacency. Maybe it was, maybe they had a barbecue maybe in they 07. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It, it really is hard to get behind what it is or even after the fact, what it was, because then then you start getting you know you know kind of a rewriting of things, and you would believe whatever side you want to in the whole thing. I'm just happy to see that there is a war on this scale. That there that there oh, are yeah, now eight. What are we? Are we? Uh, let's see here. Eight months now since Fozzie saw since Aegis. Sorry, sorry, Fozzie. Since Aegis sovereignty came into play. Um, we are now seeing the first major conflict out there, um, which was something I thought was going to happen sooner. Maybe everybody just needed more time to figure out the whole thing and, and, and shit like that, but... Yeah, well, a lot of people were just freaking out about the new solve. Like, Black Legion basically imploded because of the stress that the new solve put on them. And now, you know, the U.S. time is on Black Legion. The majority of it is in tissue, and the EU side is in the culture. And what are they doing? They're doing a lot of software stuff, so... Oh, yeah, it's a, it's 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 been ahead. a very interesting sort of um, change, certainly for a group like uh, NC, who spent years gearing themselves up on the the dominions of, and a lot of the fleets now are very different, very very different from what they used to be, because it's all become about constellation control, and that is a. a process that's taken time to adapt to and I'm pretty sure it's a process that a lot of people have taken time to adapt to um, whether it's good or not I don't know I, I'm still reserving my judgment for it but it's a very very different conflict to what it was before okay so we're gonna uh, actually take a five uh, four minute break let uh, everybody take a stretch and uh, do things they need to do We'll be back. Uh, we have a little, little intermission. A word from our sponsors. <laughs> I want to know in chat. Uh, yes, a word from our sponsors. I want to know. Planet Side Two commercial. <laughs> <I wanna know. laughs> no, it's not a Planet Side Two commercial. But in chat, if you could tell me what of the four races you prefer, that is the intermission that I'll play. And uh, I want to ask you. And as we wait for their answers, I want to uh, bring this up. And that is a, a screen of alliances and corporations in Dotland. And if you look at the very top of movements in the last <coughs> seven days, you see the Bastion increased by a thousand or more members, and Razors down by 800. So it's, we're going to answer what's going on there uh, when we come back. And uh, it looks like uh, Galente is winning it. So we're going to, we'll do Galente this time and. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll do another race at a different time. Here you go. And we're back. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around for the second part of the show. 
Yeah, let's go back to uh, the war. It's going to be the second part of the show as well, since it's such big news. Uh, but I did want to point out that uh, Razor has been yeah, talked about. It'll all end next week, though. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're still yeah, in well, the early stages in what we're calling a war, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like the opening skirmishes of it for sure. Um, it could just. Everybody could just turn around and say, well, stuff it, we're not doing this no more, and pack up and go home, you know, so you just don't know, because that's the nature of EVE. Uh, there is definitely an issue of peaking and burning out, and it, it you know, after after a while, people may say the sob business isn't very fun, or it's just not worth it. I don't know, a lot of things. I think there's an estimate of uh, hundreds of hours to burn through Veil, if you do the calculations. It's not going to be a fast process, even with a lot of people doing it. A lot of hours. And, uh, and and we'll get to that in just a second. But we wanted to talk about Razor and uh, and Bastion. Do you guys know anything about that? You two that are yes, I do know about. Oh, that. the NC guy knows. <laughs> the Bastion guy's I, here. I, I know, I know. The reason I know this is because because I'm many Bastion spies died. Exactly, <laughs> but um, the reason I know this is because uh, I'm still reasonably good friends with a lot of members of Bovril. And uh, the 700 to 800 man corp of Bovril, um, which is a mining corporation that used to be in Brave, um, has moved to the Bastion. So that accounts for like most of those numbers. Oh, you're right. And you used to actually be in Brave, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When uh, Brave took us off originally, I thought, hey, it'd be cool to be with the new kids on the block and I had a great time with them for a year while we were in catch. Um, at some point, you um, became leadership there, right? I wouldn't say leadership as such. It was pseudo leadership. <laughs> you're running. You're running away from middle management, are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was leadership is a vague concept in Brave. It was. It was in fact, Surf was considered leadership um, when we were there for a while because you ran. What was your corp when you were there? I can't remember. I now. I had a corp that was like part of a sister feeder type alliance, and I was yeah. trying to teach people to fly stealth bombers, and then I got sort of summarily executed Ejected. because supposedly I was an NC dot spy or something like that. Which... Uh, yeah, not so... Wow, <laughs> you were so good. I didn't know you were a spy for us. Yeah, I'm on defense Drake and payroll guys. <laughs> By the way, I want to notice that we have uh, Pork Butt, who is the head of Karma Fleet and also an ex-member of Brave. I think he was leadership in Brave too, or position holder. Yes. Uh, but, but, um, yeah. I so was it was Borville, you said? I was. Borville. Uh, yeah, Borville. Uh, I can't say the rest of the name because I get my tongue tied. Uh, tongue tied around it. There you go. That's better. Uh, Borville Bora Miners or something. Um, but that's about 700 to 800 characters that left Razor to join Bastion. So that makes up most of that. Okay, so, uh, sorry, how many left to Bastion? Because Bastion grew a thousand and, you know, hundred. Yeah, so that 800 something makes up probably most of them, but I don't know where the, the other uh, 300 forms come from. Uh, I, I know there's a couple corps from CO2 that uh, went from CO2 to Bastion. Um, so there's, and it's going to tick up one more. The ticker is Hanky. Uh, they, I think they're about a hundred or so guys strong. They, they went over there. It's gonna tick up one more when you uh, move over from CO2 to Bastion, right, Drayden? Yeah, it's it's not a far move. Yeah. It's it's like a region away. That's all my alts. All my alts just. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's uh it's like one Sino jump. <laughs> you know, I I don't think, you know, I'm not I'm not putting on a a, a predictor's hat, but I want to look at. Uh, the map 
And I think that veil, uh, which looks like this, uh, and you can see right here, uh, that's where that big battle was. It was right in the middle of Vale. And I think you can see that, you know, on the uh, upper right area and the lower area, these these are a lot of systems that are under attack. I think Test is probably going to... down in the lower area, right? You've got yeah. PLNC dot up in the northeast. Yeah, you can see the negative 10 stands for uh, Pandemic Legion. But yeah, I think, um, I think this is going to fall. I mean, maybe it... It's just huge. It's a lot of, uh, you know, def defending that kind of space. But I don't think, um, I don't think that, is it Tribute? Where is uh, Bastion? Bastion uh, is on the west side of Vale. Vale. You're not in Tribute? No, no. Tribute no. is uh, CO2. CO2 and TNT. And TNT is some Vale on the Vale on the east side, you've got Lawn. On the west side, you've got Bastion and an element of CO2 space over there. All right, then I'm wrong. I'm thinking Vale. Wherever the Bastion is, I think that's Vail. where a lot of resistance is going to happen. That's going to be... I think this is early, and I think, uh, I think Bastion is kind of the untold story of this war. I think they're loyal. Uh, they're not going to crack. They're not going to fail. Uh, I just have a feeling they're going to be probably the strongest uh, group. What do you guys think? Since you're from Bastion, well, and, and not just uh, not just this uh, recent increase in numbers. I mean, Bastion's always been a really big alliance. You know, since they, uh, I forget they, what groups they formed out of. Uh, from gents and gents uh, Ally and, Three, well, the, right. but the CFC gents, not the okay. other one that was in the south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gentlemen's Agreement, I think, is the CFC one. Yeah. Yes. Um, As opposed to Gentlemen's yeah. Club, which was actually uh, ex Nully. They went in right, and out right. of Nully. So, yeah, th like those two alliances, and then there's also a handful of others from elsewhere that all grouped up into the Bastion. Um, and then, you know, shortly after they formed, they've been a really sizable alliance. And I think other than Razor and Goonswarm, they're like the biggest alliance in CFC. They, they might actually be bigger than Razor now. But, uh, and so, I mean, with this recent influx of all the i mean although that was a mining corp so but i mean i don't i don't know if i'm, I'm i assume that they'll pvp as well so yeah bastion's the second largest alliance inside the imperium yeah yeah Ooh. so i mean they definitely have the numbers uh to you know put up a sizable front well it's not just the numbers it's kind of the dedication of players like i have to admit part of sma seemed to break off they said oh we're just getting rid of people we don't like or that they aren't really uh, you know here for the fight um, and, and there's probably a lot of a lot of alliances have extra members that are there. They're kind of just kind of taking advantage of the situation. But it seems to me like Bastion is has more dedicated fighters. Well, Bastion was always, as far as I understand, it, I could be totally wrong because I'm looking at it from an outsider's perspective. But Bastion was always set up as an organization which was to be kind of the fighting wing of um, the the CFC Imperium, whatever you want to call it. But um, whether that that was oh that was going back two years ago now a year two yeah two well, years I mean, now. Well, I mean formed. it was formed. I mean it was formed out of an amalgamation of of other alliances back when they consolidated. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah at Li didn't Li three Li three and gentlemen's agreement. Yeah, Li three. I think Casper uh, North, who was the head of gentlemen's agreement, uh, was leaving the game, and so this was a kind of uh, where people decided to go afterwards. So they kind of made it because he was leaving and Gents was going to close. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit more of a rude angle of it, but I always kind of thought they were sort of like the the catching net of alliances or corporations that were kind of falling apart within the CFC, and then Carneros basically uh, took it from there and seems to have made it a fairly decent alliance. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. It was a, it was an amalgamation of, of of alliances that they put together, and then there were some others that were added to it, and now. Now I think it you know it stands on its own as far as what they've you know, you know what they've made it into. Yeah, you know another thing is there's a lot of people who are in this fight, and I wanted to talk about like strategies on how uh, this war might actually unfold. If you think about it, um, there's like 23 different. Let's have a look here. There's the kill report, and as you can see, you know the um, the Imperium is only about seven alliances, but look over on the uh, invading side. And you get to like 23. Those are a lot of different doctrines. So who's going to have... Um, there was one point, I think, not just in this fight, where my temporary blue list for fights was over 30 alliances and corporations. Actually, I believe on payroll it gets... Uh, I want to say it gets up to like 52. I mean, there's a lot of groups that are involved. 23 fighting in this fight alone... Um, and if you're looking at that, uh, all those guys, they don't fly the same stuff. I know Doctrine's, you know, the kind of eventually everybody's flying the same stuff because that's what's working, like Macarials are today, but um, not everybody can fly those things. Well, well if you... I'm oh, sorry, it's not just, I mean, from what... I don't think the Macarials are necessarily all working all that well. Well, um, they work if you're not no. CFC. <laughs> <laughs> Fired the shots. Actually, they worked pretty well because I think those Macarials took like seven bombing runs or something. Did they, they take that they many? Yeah, they yeah, took they, a lot they, of bombing they, runs. They were taking a lot of bombing runs in that. Um, I mean, but you, you kind of have to look at that fight as a whole. If you look at any of the, the video footage um, from that, it was, you look at the, the composition of um, the attacking forces um, and you look at where they were positioned in comparison to the incoming Imperium forces, you will, you will see that they had the small super capital force hitting the tower, um, which had an outer shell of uh, the, the you know, T3 cruisers um, and, out, and the rattlesnakes that were being flown by PL. And outside of that, you had all the other groups. And all the other groups, their job outside of that was to pen in and hem in other, um, you know, the Imperium forces, while the bo main ball, the core in the middle of that, which sat themselves in between the supercarrier force and the Macarials, was just literally to go in and hit them. So anything that tried to come in from either side, whether it be bombers, whether it be light support, whatever, was getting taken out by the other groups, whereas the main ball in the middle of that was hitting the Macarials as hard as they could. So even though that every group was flying a separate doctrine, they all had their own parts to play. And sadly, um, well, not for me, obviously, because I was on the winning side, but the... Um, the Imperium's coordination was just completely all over this in that fight. They dropped her one Macarial fleet in, straight in the middle of that meat grinder. They got ground up. They tried to bring in another to help, which got hit by the bombers. So they couldn't 
actually go in and be effective at all. And then the third Mercurial fleet jumped in and just got themselves snared in the big ball in the middle of it. Well, a, key, a key factor of that lack of coordination has also been the uh, brain drain that has happened within the coalition. I mean, you had Vili leave, Endy, you had Suez leave, uh, Blarf. You know, these were notable people that really made the coalition what it was. And well, they were notable at one time, but I think it, by the time they left, they were actually pretty inactive, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, this I don't true. remember the last time Billy really took a, uh, a fleet out in any kind of large... I, think, I mean, Fountain War, I think, was the last time Billy was well, it's as fun. far as coalition. It's funny, because his excuse was, I don't, really, uh, I don't really like blobbing anymore, and here he is with a bigger blob. And then on the other hand... <laughs> Andy says, yeah, I don't really like the security. This isn't dangerous enough. So he goes over to the most insecure place in Eve, PL. I think for them, it was, it was, I've spoken with a few of the guys that left and there were definitely some personal uh, resentments, I guess, between them and other members of leadership. And they can explain that for themselves if you ever get them on the show. Yeah, well, I, they probably, now that I've said that, they probably won't show. <laughs> but they're always welcome. Um, yeah, so my question was with these doctrines, because there's so many different types of people who are who are fighting, like who is that harder for? Is that harder for FCs on the um, Voltron or Money Badger side, or is that harder for uh, the uh, Imperium to counter? Well, I think it, I think it really depends. If, if you've got a well-flown different doctrine out there, but you know, by A, the pilots, and B, the FC that are leading them, um, you know, obviously that can throw a wrench towards, you know, say the Imperium side, who they're not going to be able to say, well, look, they're bringing this, right? There's going to be all these different things out there. But then again, it, if some smaller group out there is flying independently or semi-independently, uh, you know, with some off-brand doctrine that just isn't going to really do any, you know, do anything, then I'm not sure it matters. I mean, the, the big thing are the cohesive groups out there, the PLNC dot, the tests, the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the other ones who, who have coherent doctrines and coherent leadership in, in terms of FCs. I well, think them having different doctrines probably benefits them. Yeah, Definitely. I think it's, it it's depends on uh, how, I, I think it, 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 it depends on how how I don't know how the solve works basically like well. it's a new it's a new era altogether you have different tactics for different uh phases of the invasion whenever you're fighting or you're skirmishing and then you're actually dropping heavier assets it's uh it's an advantage to have combined arms so you definitely need multiple fcs that know how to do what they're supposed to do from their perspective i will say so, yeah. nc and pl know their doctrines very well they I think they cross-pollinate, you know, so uh, they fly similar things. I think PL sometimes has uh, a new doctrine before NC does. Uh, NC is well entrenched into their AHACs now, um, uh, but they have a few other things that they fly as well. It really is funny because I, I think people say like, oh, elite, you know, PVP, who cares? You guys aren't that good, whatever. But uh, I got to tell you, there is a huge cost to flying these ships. And I don't mean ISK, I mean skill points like... To fly them right, you you got to squeeze into these ships, and everything has to be T2 or faction. And uh, it's just, you yeah. know, not everybody can fly with these groups. It's like um, even when you max out the skills, um, yeah. you still need the 1% implant to get into some of oh, the, yeah. <laughs> some of the yeah. you know, and it's, and it is, it is pretty crazy. But 
the 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 doctrines themselves are, are tried and tested but with anything at all is only good for its particular function that it's designed for um, and there's only so much that it can do with these larger coalition force uh, sort of not coalition force but you know a lot attacking group for uh, fleets that we've had we've had the heavy hitting um, t3 cruiser fleets we've had the battleship fleets we had the fast moving cruiser fleets um there is literally not very many situations that a good well-organized fc can't maneuver them around uh, and the Imperium's got to adapt its tactics to try and counter that as well, because we can't, they, they can't afford another um, 2DWM. Well, I don't and, think they can. Well, oh, we can afford them. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, well, maybe isk-wise, yes. <laughs> the, the one thing that, that uh, in the Fountain War that was um, really great with, because, uh, I mean, there's still a lot of new... Uh, newbies in the Imperium and, and, and all that stuff, but uh, in the Fountain where there was an excessive amount of them, because during that time they were bringing in all these new people to, you know, shovel into the war, and obviously a lot of these newer pilots can't fly. They couldn't fly the Baltic ships. They couldn't, I mean, they can't fly, like you said, all these... back when you had the Fuck You Fleet. Right, right, and that's what I'm saying. They implemented this thing called the Fuck You Fleet, and it's like, it doesn't take more than a week to be able to jump into a Celestis with uh, meta-modules, and it's like, you're not going to go out and kill a bunch of stuff, but when you build a fleet of like 400 pilots and all of them have like five, like four or five sensor damps, it's like just go out and you just throw like, you know, thousands of sensor damps at the enemy. Even though you don't have many skills, you're being effective as a giant ball of just. Well, that's 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 something that when Brave initially fought PL back at the end of uh, we're at 16 now, so it's 15, so the end of 2014. Um, when things really kicked off with Brave between um, PL after the uh, Catch Providence War. Uh, I say war, it was more of a skirmish, really. Um, we had our own version of that, which was the gigantic ball of 200 Morlises with yeah. people that had been flying in the counts uh, for about a week in, uh, tracking, disrupting, or whatever the PL fleets, and suddenly you had their ships with optimal ranges of two kilometers, and things like that. And it was it was crazy business. Well, it's like, I just like the idea of that fleet because it gave the new pilots um, something to get into these big fights with, and actually be effective as a as a whole, as opposed to just saying like, oh, we'll just get in a rifter or just get you know, because that doesn't really do anything. I mean, the people flying around rifters yeah, exactly. putting out like 100 DPS isn't doing anything in a big fight. That's that's what? the great thing about this game is that you can jump in on day one and contribute to a conflict just like that, and that's something that this game has that no other game has, and that's why I think it'll continue to be uh, popular. Right, and, and it was it was also just a big morale boost for those new pilots because like they would. You know, we'd have spies in their comms, and like they would get these, uh, you know, comm recordings of the other side getting really pissed off. Like, we can't do anything. We're damp to fuck. And so it's like it let those new pilots actually see the effect of, of their play on these, like, you know, the super elite NC dot and PL and all this stuff. So it's like they they felt that they were as a new player taking down the big dogs even though they haven't been playing very long so it made them want to get into more of these fleets it got them really yeah. excited and amped up for the war and yeah I, 
Well, go, ahead. go No, go ahead, Dirk. Well, no, you know, what I was going to say was there are a lot of interesting doctrines that are out there right now. And, and, and yes, you know, I think um, um, newer, younger players can certainly get involved in these block wars because of the level of organization that a lot of these entities have put in place for for creating doctrines for those lower skilled players to where they can be additive to the mix. I mean, it's no longer the day of, oh, well, then just jump in an interceptor and tackle something. You know, from the reverse perspective, um, there was this whole talk after BTAC-R. Uh, I think Matani even said it's like, uh, start building, it's a Cold War. And what's interesting to me is like, everybody thought, okay, well, these are supers, and not only supers, but titans, because those are the ones that actually worked in BTAC-R. Everything else didn't work. But the other part of the Cold War was weaponizing newbies. Came a little bit later. And you notice now that PL has their own group of nearly a thousand, actually, way more than a thousand, way more. Uh, I was thinking old. I was thinking old numbers. And Karma, um, you know, that Porkbutt here is CEO of. Uh, they're massive too. I haven't seen their numbers lately, but I remember when they clipped a thousand. It was only a few months into their existence. So uh, both sides have massive. Four thousand nine hundred. Yeah, those are massive numbers, and those are a lot of new players uh, that they can basically clog the cannons of their enemies, you know, with their bodies, kind of thing. <laughs> what? What is like going to be interesting? Okay, just based on the timing of where we are with this war, um, you know, or what's going on right now, right? Is you've got FanFest coming up, April twenty seventh. You've got the tentative release date for for Citadel and the changes to the capitals. Oh and, my God! And that is going to that is going to throw a major. Well, you know, just FanFest itself is going to throw a major twist into all of this, but. What will be even bigger are those changes to capitals. Forget but, the Citadel portion of things for right now. Um, think more about the changes to capitals and the ability for people to deploy when maybe, you know what, the mass number of people out there have not seen what these changes are, have not practiced with anything on Sissy, have not been involved with any of this stuff, maybe don't even know what the changes are. What do you it's mean not by... It's going to be just undock your capital. What do you mean by uh, that FanFest is going to make a big difference? You think there'll be some announcements there? There's definitely well, going to be an announcement. Definitely Hype. announcements, but more, but more the leadership types who will be there while this war is probably still ongoing in you know one way, probably on a bigger scale than what it is right now. Yeah, yeah, true. One thing, uh, not to change pace too much, but since we kind of have like a, a half an hour left, I believe, one thing we didn't really discuss also is kind of how the propaganda in the metagame has been going, uh, especially on Reddit. You know, the saying is, you know, you can't downvote to win a war. Well, to a large extent, you know, that has played a large role in how uh, the conflict has been perceived. And while I don't think propaganda and metagaming outright wins a war, it certainly helps accent it in one direction. Well, I think Test is winning this war if that's a measure of winning. <laughs> Their propaganda is outstanding. In fact, they... Like the propaganda is so much, they've actually had to put a filter on the Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a post for them telling them to slow down a little bit. And it was like, hmm, okay, good idea. It's too good, Whatever. too fast. When, when, yeah, when Tissue is, like, telling you to cool off your propaganda. <laughs> what was the... You guys are pushing too hard. Uh, <laughs> Yolo Slagtron, um, yesterday, like, before it comes, he was saying that he's like, oh, God, Tess just had to send out a ping saying, telling test members to not rat in uh, CFC space because they're bringing your, their indexes up. It's like... <laughs> it's 
that it's perfect. Really that, you know, that, that kind of stuff is magical to me. <laughs> I love the irony of things that happen. Uh, I, speaking of pings, actually, there were pings. This might change the subject. If, if it does, we'll come back to Tiberius. But there was pings. Um, how was it? Horde, I think. Somebody reported to me that Horde is pinged to, like, you know, use I want his because that's, you know, where they're getting money from. And then I heard there was an opposite ping on the Imperium. Support our funding source. Yeah, it's like, here's, here's our sponsor. War bonds. You may this? not be able to fight in the war. However, you should go gamble on I want his and help support that side. <laughs> and I, I heard the opposite is true. Gambling. <laughs> I love it. And I heard the opposite is true with Imperium. I forget what alliance uh, there was a ping to not gamble on I want is. What is uh, your opinions on the whole claim that this whole thing's kind of being funded by RMT money and all that? Well, I know where that comes from. I've known this for a while. Um, and, you know, uh, there is a broker. You did the whole article on it. Who did, what's that? You did the whole article on the RMT claims and things. Come well, on, no, there's two different there's two different claims going on, and the reason there's two different things going on. One is that there was RMT that I want ISK was doing, which turns out to be false. And I can announce or talk about this. I will write uh, this in an article. But uh, it turns out that the person I had two theories in that article, and the second one is true. There was a character uh, named Pharaoh that was RMTing. He admitted it. And all the money that he touched, which was a gazillion amount of ISK, was tainted, and it tainted that many um, bankers. So they are all banned at that one time, and they are now all unbanned, except one. Uh, actually, two. Ex except two. But no, one of them, uh, one of them is actually. Yeah, I think so there's two. There are two that are not banned. Uh, one of them is from SMA. He's uh, a very big, big banker. He's equivalent to Iron Bank, actually, as far as like you know, how much money he touches and stuff like that. And it's probably true that he had a lot of contaminated money. The thing is, that guy, everybody, everybody uh, vouches for him. He's straight, he's a total straight shooter. So it's really funny that, you know, he's the one that's, in fact, the two guys that are left are, are totally vouched for by everybody else. Like they won't stick their neck out for, you know, other bankers, but those two guys, they will. So that tells me something. They will get clear. So what you have is a situation where all of the damage that was done to I want ISK is being more or less reversed. It's not completely reversed because they didn't get their money back. They might be able to contest that, but they didn't get that back. But all well, of them are right. unbanned. I mean, my, I mean, my take, uh, my take on the funding and whether or not there's any relation to, I could care less who's funding it. I could care less what they did. I'm just glad something is funding it. I'm glad that it has drawn blood to the water and that others have come in who maybe are not being funded by any of this stuff in any way, shape or form and are just there for a war. Well, the second, there's, there's a second part to this. It's great for you. There's a second part to this. The second part is who's brokering this stuff because uh, the person who owns I Want Isk is not Iron Bank, it's actually Eep. And Eep, if you know him, he's kind of like, I don't want to do all that. Let me hire somebody to do it for me. So he hires a broker who does all the uh, the contract work with the mercenaries. So he's hired a war broker. The war yeah. broker, his identity uh, is contested right now on who he actually is. Uh, nobody will tell me who he actually is. Uh, I have a theory about who he is, and is he was... It's not Kriba. <laughs> it would be the Kriba is like the most trustworthy person in Eve for a long time, and this is probably the opposite of Kriba. And so, uh, if 
and so the, uh, he has allegations of RMT in his history, and if that turns out to be true, that's what Goon's uh, Imperium is talking about when they say it's RMT coalition. Well, the thing, whenever I hear stuff like claims of RMT and I mean, so much of propaganda, a lot of it's just thrown out. Yeah, it's like, it's, I never put any kind of serious credence to any of that until some, you know, concrete evidence maybe gets, comes out and then, you know, and it, obviously if CCP takes action, uh, well, I mean, they always take the, the precursor action, but uh, I mean, so most of the time when I hear people throwing out the RM stuff on this guy and that guy, it's something I just roll my eyes at. So, yeah, I, I think when people admit it, that's how I know about the banker situation. People have actually admitted, yeah, I was RMTing. Sorry, guys. Sorry, I messed you up. I was doing it. Uh, that's legitimate. Um, but when people don't uh, confess, how can you possibly know? CCP doesn't tell you. And I mean, it, basically in this game, any person or organization, corp or alliance or whatever it may be, that has massive, massive mountains of ISK is going to get accused of RMTing it somewhere by someone. Like, everyone. Oh, everybody I mean, out there. Just, all the Imperium Alliance is get accused it's of RMT. All, all, all the, the big bankers get accused of RMT. PL gets accused of RMT. Russian. I mean, it's like, does it happen? Yeah, it happens. I'm, I'm sure people here and there do it. I but. think it, it happens in very small ways, too. Like, there's, yeah, let me sell this on eBay and get some money for it, whatever. That's what people yeah. object to. But there's guys inside of each other's corpse that are like, you know what? I'm leaving the game and I got to pay for a surgery. Like, I'll give you my Titan character for 200 bucks. You know, in that way, it's very informal. It seems like it's a, you know, an easy thing to do. And then it starts getting into this gray area where it's like, you know, hey, I'll take my shirt off if you guys, you know, tip me 10 bucks on this uh, program. I won't actually. Hey, hey, here's a Unless question. Unless you will. Wow, well, what kind of chat room yeah. do you go to? Unless you will pay 10 bucks and then I actually might. Hey, here's a question though. Do we care what the propaganda is from any side out there? Meaning Certainly. that if it's completely off base or if it is entirely factual, do we care as long as it results in in-game content? I certainly, well, I do, I do, because for me, it's a point of analysis. I look at what people say in the propaganda and it tells me about them. So for me, the fact that they're going to go with the RMT type propaganda spin, that for me shows a certain level of desperation to me because they're kind of going for like the final killing blow of sorts regarding propaganda right off the bat. So to me, yes, it's very important for me and I definitely watch out for what people say and how they say it. I want to point out, uh, I'm offered $10 to keep my shirt on. I appreciate that. Nice. And I don't disagree. I mean, I'm always for um, in-game in-game conflict, and ultimately that's it. I just find it very interesting that what started out as a clear external attempt to block or deny people's ability to play the game eventually turned into the whole reason for people to go to war in-game. I find that quite interesting. That's quite an interesting twist on it. I think what Dirk's getting at, and I agree with Dirk again, it's surprising. <laughs> Gatorade. Is, yeah, Gatorade. Is that, Gatorade. that we don't care. It's about it's about the game in the game, fighting out the game, and uh, and you know basically you know winning, 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 or losing, losing, losing. Well, I mean, look, I expect propaganda to not be the entire truth, and and as history unfolds, you find out that oh, it was all lies, right? But. I love propaganda from the sense of whatever it takes to motivate your people, whatever lies you need to spew about your enemy to, you know, 
to make them, you know, to demonize them and turn them into animals that you need to, you know, go. I, I don't care. Whatever motivates your people. Yeah, and there's, you know, if you look at the top of most of these alliances, uh, they're great motivators. Uh, Matani is undoubtedly a great motivator. So is Vince. But, but it's also better to motivate your members with truth because with lies, you get, you know, assholes like me that are going to poke holes through your uh, lies. And then it, <laughs> you kind of tend to look bad. And maybe, you know, I don't convince all the people, but I convince some of the people. And then they start asking questions and it just builds up on that. So I'm one of those people that even though I'm playing Eve and I think it's a very sort of survival of the fittest, uh, do what you can to win. I, I always think that it's good to be moral and ethic, not because it's good, but because it's practical and useful. Moral and ethics well, in well, Eve it, just well, don't. That, well, that's on. true, but the thing with the, with the, the lie propaganda is it's very effective. Like, no, no, no. Whether it's ill-founded, it, it definitely can work on the masses. I'm not saying that lies can't blow back on you after, you know, after the fact or even during it, okay? However, when you look at the propaganda that goes out there, right, most of the, most of the people who, 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 who come in contact with it, all right, are not the ones that are reading counter-arguments to it. They are, you're going at, you're going at the, in a way, at the lowest common denominator, which is what propaganda has throughout history true, true. always been good for. Mm. You're not changing the minds of the intelligentsia. Well, you're, mo you're motivating the lowest common denominator out there. And Yeah, well, exactly. You know. And even looking back at right at the very beginning of Eve, um, with Somoli, um looking to take on the, the Venal Alliance, you know, the whole thing was a concocted um, Cassius Belli to go to fight they they used um, they tried to hire pirates to come and disrupt the activities of people in Venal and then tried to blame it on their opponents and when that pro that lie was put out there just like laid out there in front of everybody it was just taken at complete face value and then they had a war over it which forever changed, changed the early years of Eve. And that is what the power of a lot of propaganda is. I'd like to take a second to point out we have uh, hit the 143 mark on uh, people watching live. I want to say thanks. Um, if you can't watch live, we have a podcast version of this that you can listen to while you commute, which is what I prefer. Um, but uh, if you want to participate and ask questions and give feedback and stuff, the live version uh, on Friday nights, 6 p.m. Wow, this turned into a plug, didn't it? Uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, yeah, we totally invite you to come join us. Um, okay, so and there's more to talk about in this war. We're going to cover it again. Scion's the guest next week. Uh, we'll ask some questions. Um, so we'll get the truth next week. Yeah, we'll get the truth. The re you know. We speculated well, tonight. Least, we'll get the Bible. Just talking. <laughs> Truth Just have him put it all to rest. I would like to cover one more topic here. Um, if you would like your alliance leader to come on and you know tell us why this war is happening and what's all behind it, please do. Oh yes. <laughs> I want to direct your attention to this uh, this group here called White Legion. Uh, White Legion was formed. Uh, it looks like um, Elo Knight broke off of Test. Uh, my information tells me they that formed the clan. Informed the. Yeah, they raced up to uh, 500. That looks like Origin is in there. And um, let's have a look here. 
there's your list of corporations. Um, but what I want to say is I think Test actually about a month ago already knew that they were going to come up north. So there was something going on there. Whether money was exchanging hands or they were just getting in on the action, I don't know. But that was a while ago before they made the announcement. And I think at that time, um, probably Elo was like, yeah, that's not for me. That's not something I want to do. So I'm going to do what I normally do. I'm going to start my own uh, alliance and we're just going to, you know, third party this whole thing. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, they're actually hanging out. Um, let's see, I have to use the map. I believe they're hanging out in Geminate. There's a name on that list that I'm looking at right now that just amazes me straight off the bat, and that's Fweded. That's right. Fweded is faction, faction war. Keep doing non-faction war things. That is a faction war Reddit. Uh, and I think I know that. Okay, so there was a Test Alliance, which came out of Reddit, and. They had a certain kind of culture, and some people were just maybe, I don't know, too grown up for it. So they're like, yeah, I don't want to join Test. So uh, they made this faction war Reddit that was a lot calmer, and I think that was kind of more, it was taken a little more seriously and stuff like that. So Fweddit always seemed to me to be the professional wing of Reddit uh, as far as uh, in-game. And so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that they're there. Another group that I want to point out that's been putting up huge numbers in this war is Lumpy. Um... And Lumpy is actually Evoke uh, and Eon. Those are two German corporations. Evoke's been good a very long time. I think they actually won an alliance tournament. Uh, they've dwindled in power. Uh, they've kind of like, uh, they showed up in Aquarius for a little while, uh, working with pizza and... Pride um, of the Fatherland. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Eon too was in the same area. So they were both in the same area in the same coalition down there fighting off uh, darkness uh, for Aquarius. So I guess they actually finally, you know, uh, married and uh, ended up forming Lumpy. But uh, like I said, they've been putting up big numbers. If we look at this battle report, um, they're right here at 82. And look, they're like ranked fourth on this list, only behind Northern Coalition, Pandemic Legion, and Test Alliance. They're actually the fourth largest group at this fight. I don't know if you guys remember Evoke, but Evoke was tough. And uh, I, yeah, I, uh, we fought against back when we were in. Uh, uh, the pet alliance uh, when solar owned all the east and then you had dot bros up in uh in the north yeah um, which was black legion nc dot and uh evoke and ewoks were up there and and um, Noli, don't forget noli yeah, yeah noli was there too um well noli came in later didn't they or was yeah, noli there yeah, yeah um so the two meat shields of those big groups solar and the dot bros you know we would duke it out a bunch but once in a while the the, the big parents would come in and and drop their super fleets and fight but sometimes uh, a lot of the fights we got into evoke would actually come in and they were they were really strong and they they were exceptional logi pilots like they, their logi were on point all the time they could bring a 20-man logi group and out rep you know our 50-man logi group somehow i don't know how they did it but they found a way i think um i mean i remember evoke from uh attacking northern um the actual Northern Coalition was being attacked by NC Dot, um, Evoke, and Dead Terrorists. I was in Dead Terrorists at the time, and they were, it was probably the funnest time in E for me because all the fights were about 200, 200 people fighting, uh, 200 to 400, and those fights were just perfect because there's no tie dye and you could actually do things, and it was you know it was just very engaging uh, gameplay. Um, and then I think um, I, I think. Actually, Cry Havoc was before that, but wasn't Elise Randolph the leader of Cry Havoc? Am I wrong about that? Why are those? Yeah, I probably just stuck my foot in it, but 
uh, those are the groups that were up there fighting Northern Coalition. They was having some, some great fights. And then I think Evoke, uh, I believe they came down to, uh, to take over Providence at one time, along with Northern Coalition, if you guys remember that. Well, anyway, so I thought that was interesting. That's an interesting group to look at. They're probably, uh, I mean, they really just kind of jumped onto the scene there. Oh, but I wanted to talk again about White Noise. Or White Legion, sorry, White, White Legion. White Noise, they're back. Well, no. White Noise is back. White, White Legion is generating a lot of white noise. White Legion. Uh, white Legion. Um, what what do we think about these did guys? Did you just do the white power White Legion? <laughs> <laughs> Wake up, White Legion. Hey, it's a new new era in America. Um, yeah, do we, do we have any thoughts about this new uh, alliance that's forming? Oh, yeah. No? For a lot of the people in Tissue that were in Black Legion, we kind of heard about it and were like, oh, that's neat, Edel's back. Well, he'll go away soon enough because he's cool. he's kind Spicy. of on and off. He's kind of on and off playing. And whenever he's there, he's a great FC. But, you know, once in a while, he just, well, more often than not, he just kind of disappears. And then it's like, well, there goes the Alliance. It's basically dead now. So, I don't know. It's interesting. We certainly have a few alts in the Alliance flying with them. Um, I guess they're doing like Immunins and Ruptures or something like that and ELO FCs once in a while. And the great thing about ELO is, as I said, he's a great FC. You know, uh, Everybody's seen some of the amazing things that he's done. But on like the Alliance leadership level, he's not really Alliance leadership material. It's not really his thing. Politics aren't very interesting for him. So it just depends on basically how much in the mood he is to FC or not. Well, somebody somebody made the comment in in chat that he tried to kind of form an elite wing down in Test and was kind of told, well, it just kind of didn't happen, and that's why he's broken off to do this now. Well, he tried I to mean, do it in Test. Did yeah. you expect it to work? No. <laughs> oh wow, spicy! That's a spicy meatball. <laughs> no, but but to 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 go back a little bit on on test i'm actually very impressed with them and i think they have one of the the coolest stories in eve where they started under the goons they grew up big they had this war they fell to pieces and now they rebuilt and they're coming back to fight the goons it's like you know the prodigal son returns it's such a great story if there ever is a book about one single alliance i think Tess should have it because that's just really cool and i can't wait to see how the rest of this year plays out Testers definitely, as far as alliances go, this has definitely had a roller coaster ride over the last few years. They've been up and down and up and down, and somehow they they always they come back. Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible how they manage to do it, um, and they're always they're always coming back. And just when you think they're down and out, they they'll come back, and suddenly they're the guys with. The, the force that makes the difference. They're, they're an alliance that have passed the test. Well, I think uh, what was interesting to me, and I hadn't considered it much, but Hero Coalition was really Reddit Coalition, wasn't it? Because both those groups were based out of Reddit. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't put that uh, together. I wasn't really into Reddit back then, but I'm, I would I, say so. I think it was just I, more I, that I would, Hero was say, mostly test, and test was Reddit. I would say... No, Hero was I, mostly I Brave. I dispute that, that Brave originally oh, was, right. was never was never really um, a Reddit community to begin with. Um, its shot to success was when, um, based on the fact that they were building a lot of uh, support networks for new players, 
um, was getting the spotlight from CCP. They had a bit on like the launcher when you came in and say, are oh, you new to the game? Join, join Brave. And that was what catapulted their numbers. And of course, once you get that initial barrier out of the way and you start recruiting people in, suddenly your profile goes through the roof and more people come in. And that's that's what happened. And eventually it just became all about everybody had to have an all in Brave because everyone had to go fight Brave <laughs> the entire time. And and that's how Brave got as big as they did. Yeah, I think Test... But they weren't ready. I think Test... Um... They kind of, uh, they, well, they have a capital fleet, and they kind of benefited from being an alternative to uh, Goon Swarm and the Imperium. Since they were independent and they were big enough to have large fights to take on, say, the Russians and stuff, it was really kind of the only alternative you could get into kind of at a mid-level. And I think for FCs, they were starting to draw incredible talent like Vili, who's fighting for them now, but also Pro God Legend and at one time Elo Knight. They may not have shown up that much, but uh, at least they were being attracted to test. And I think it's because you had a lot of raw material there. You had the numbers. They by now had matured a lot of those players so that you could fit them into better doctrines. And you had a capital fleet to be able to drop and you know really escalate a situation if needed. Um, and I think Progod actually is with Test up north, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He still is with Test. So is Vili, of course, because he's the one that's leading them up there. At least in combat, he is. Well, um, all right. Any any last thoughts on the war, you guys? Yeah, I hope, it, I hope it continues to escalate. <laughs> oh yes, I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting for BR Tac 2.0. Do you, do you think that's, that's going to happen? I could do. I mean, we 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 thought a lot of us thought that um, two nights ago it was going to be BR Tac 2.0, and it didn't happen. But it was still a really, really good fight. Yeah, this attack um, on uh, on Vale of the Silent, right? Yeah, 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 because we thought that I mean, from from uh, NC perspective, we were like, well, no way we were going to strike this deep into territory where it's been pinged about all day and not get a BR. I mean, we were ready. We were ready to just drop a hammer on everything. I have to tell you, like... I mean, somebody out there saying beat, you know, beat that guard will, you know, will never happen again. Uh, yes, it will, because as with everything else, right, the level of escalation will occur at some point when all the forces and all the super cap fleets and everything else are all in a close enough area together. Eventually, it will happen. Yep. And right Definitely. now, that's pretty, it's it's pretty like, close you know, to true. I mean, there have been a lot of people out there, you know, who you have been saying, oh, you know, all those people saying that, you know, uh, you know, a big war will never happen again. No, I, I don't know that anybody was ever saying that a big war will never happen again. It's just been so long since one happened and what it was going to take to put in place. I mean, you just the last big one was because you had two sides formed up. Right. And it was taking a lot to get these sides to not necessarily form up in the way that it happened in the past. But to just coalesce into the same area, mm. I'm gonna. No, I agree with that. I'm gonna actually start some controversy here, um, just because it's you know for the people who stuck with us, here's a little something. <laughs> but uh, I was talking to a source. I won't say who it was. Said that actually, if you look at the fight, it was Sort Dragon with the Russians, and the Russians were telling Sort, "Get us in there, get us in there, get us in there," to be Tech R, and they actually jumped in first. Uh, and I, I don't remember because. Uh, you know, it's, it was a while ago for me. And well, that had been 
I mean, that had been brewing for you yeah, know, you, know, a, you know, a couple of weeks. I mean, you had, you had head GP. Yeah, you had, right. You, know, you had a, I mean, you know, you know, the CSC at the time, you know, had finally moved all of its big heavy assets into position to where they were within strike range. They were looking for that opportunity to to engage. You know, head GP might have been it, except for, I mean, that turned With, into, yeah, it was technical a, a disaster. So for those of you that are not familiar, that is actually uh, it was a culmination of a lot of uh, teams that were there. As the Russians there, they had N3 that was there. You had PL helping N3, and then you had uh, CFC support of the Russians. So you had two big teams basically. And for a while, it was brewing. There was like threats of dropping that just didn't happen, but everybody knew something was going to happen. HeadGP came around, and they jumped in, and that is the CFC jumped in a lot of dreads. I believe it was Laz that did that, I'm not sure. And it lagged like crazy. There was problems with, um, there was just mechanical problems that allowed the CFC to be totally wiped out. And I think they lost a ton of dreads. Uh, anybody remember how many? I think it was it was hundreds. It, it, it was a lot. I mean, I, I had guys who were dying. They, they literally jumped out, getting out, and died in the destination system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was wow. It was a technical disaster that really, I think, was controversial. Okay, so you had that, like three days later, BTAC uh, R happens. And so I think what happened, or at least the way I was told it happened, CFC was not willing to jump in again just like that. They weren't just going to jump into another one and get decimated, especially with their bigger ships, the super capitals. But the Russians were, and sort of Dragon is the one that jumped them in. And well, then CFC well, the jumped in. Is, you know, the other thing that happened, you know, with, with head that didn't happen in BTAC R, was you didn't have the same, um, like all of those CFCs uh, subcap fleets didn't pour into BTAC R. So it was basically the capitals jumping in. So you know, it didn't smoke the node the way that you know the way that that, that head happened. Yeah, the the, the subcapital fleets for CFC were actually locking all the systems around the area so that Nully and all the staging other groups, stations. yeah, staging stations, nobody could get in or out of that area to reinforce. So it was only the capital pilots that could jump into BTAC-R and fight it out. And we know of all those super capital pilots, it really, was, it really came down to the Titans that were able to get one shot off and reload. Because, uh, you know, drone control was a pain, so slow. I think at some point, uh, Vince was just saying, like, you know, start taking out the dreads. That's all we're able to do to minimize the damage so we can extract. And I think the fight was over really about 40% the way through the whole 21 hours. Uh, the last half of the fight was really just a slow extraction and, you know, all the people who couldn't escape, basically. But anyway, I thought that was funny because I think Laz gets a lot of credit for winning BTEC-R. He deserves a lot of credit. He's a great FC. Uh, but the untold story for me was like the, you know, the, the Russians who were just like daredevils and uh, pushing Sword Dragon to get them into that fight first. Remember the well, Lazimo. Well, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think I think what Laz gets a lot of credit for, you know, in that whole thing was, well, besides directing what did end up happening that day, you know, was, again, putting the assets in position because the CFC's super capital fleet had never masked like that um you know you, you know to be able to to do it right i mean you you had all of these subcapital fleets that were out there and going against the wrecking balls and and things like that right but you know he he coordinated the effort to get them all in the place to give the opportunity if it arose and it did arise with the dropping of the sovereignty and that's you know, you know, in that's in that system 
um, you know, while while Manny went north to take care of some SBUs and yeah, you know, and it should be noted there were no there were no one FC of that engagement. It was 20 hours, so at least on the PLNC side, there was like five different FCs. Uh, you know, Vince was one of them. Grath, I remember Grath was on uh, on comms was saying like, "Tell me what's going on, so I can tell you what to do." <laughs> he was like totally, you know, f flying blind. Tell me what's going on in there, and then I can direct you. You know, like give me some well, intel. Was, I mean, it really was totally a titan fight at that point. I mean, and, and that's what it all really came down to, right? Yeah. And I also, in that level of tie dye, it was you know, yeah. Get your shot off. That's the last so, thing. Oh, go ahead, uh, Sarah. No, from my perspective, just about BTEC R, I think unfortunately a lot of that was due to a lot of the game mechanic limitations, and I wish that we will have the opportunity to, to play out a BTEC R where we're not limited by the technology that we have. Well, to to expand on that bit a little bit more, um, during the fight in two um, D. Um, which was hosting, I think at the height of the fight, about 2,200 people. Um, CCP Kaka popped up in local and went, Hey guys, good fight. Oh, by the way, the node wasn't reinforced. Can oh, that's right. In future. And we all just kind of facepalmed at that moment. But from my perspective, um, and from a few other guys who sort of logged off mid-fight, logged back in to kind of clear their memory. Um, the tie-dye in that was, was was about as good as a reinforced node hosting the same number of people in the, on the old system. So I'm, I'm waiting for a fight where we can actually get a reinforced node to see what actually happens. Well, well, I mean, the, co the combination of brain in a box, the combination of the changes that they're making to to super super carriers with instead of, you know, individual, you know, fighter bombers and things like that. Right. You're going to have just three squads. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's going to be a number mm -hmm. of things, I think, that that will help support. Now, look, I think well, they, that we're they still going to end up with so that helps out too. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, tech three, tech three hardware. Yeah, I think the tie dye was really, um, and we'll end pretty soon here, just a couple minutes. But it, the tie dye was really strange because if you warped off, all of a sudden you got control of your ship again. And I think tie dye used to be system wide, so I thought that was interesting. I, I, I actually warped away from the. Sorry. For me, it was fine. I mean, uh, for there were times where my modules would lag out for a bit longer than I'd like to, but. They'd always kind of, like some would just get stuck. Um, I, I had a different experience. I was totally locked up, like, you know, and my stuff was overheating and I couldn't shut it off and nothing I could do. To, I couldn't even, I was totally locked up until I flew away, repaired my stuff, um, you know, from the burning damage. And then I actually came back and then it performed the way you were describing you were performing. So it's a very strange, like, tie-dye is a little bit strange now. It's not like it used to be. It's kind of like in the actual battle, that's where it really that's, hits. That's kind of backed up by one of the, our other court mates who turned around and said he logged off halfway through the fight and logged back in again, and it was fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so this is, let's just go into the last round. Uh, we're going to close up the show. If you guys have anything you want to talk about, um, now is the time. Uh, the only thing I'd like to say... Um, there are two books out this week, if you're a collector of e-books, which I am myself personally. Um, Andrew Groen's book, uh, The Empires of Eve Online, uh, has come out officially on Amazon this week. And 
also internet spaceships is serious business um has also come out on amazon too which is a bit more of an academic study whereas andrew Groen's book is a bit more of a historical study on that by? interactions uh it's by dr marcus carter who uh did a phd in eve online he's uh, a research fellow at melbourne university he did it with uh two other doctors um and there's contributions in there from the Matani and Tribra as well. And he spends a lot of time in analyzing uh, how player interactions drive, drives the game. Um, so that's come out this week. I've had a little bit of a read of some of the samples of it. I've got my order in as well. So uh, in future, so check out a review of it. I'll be doing out in probably the next month or so. Okay, um, anything else guys? All right, let's thank Sarah for uh, showing up. We'll have him on the show again. I always like his uh, perspective. He's a great essayist for Eve News 24. He's been there quite a while. And um, thanks again for joining us. We got up to what, one, what did I say, 43? One, basically 145. And uh, those are tremendous numbers. I really appreciate you guys taking the time on a Friday night. We get to go another week? For, uh, yeah, <laughs> we get another week. That's how it goes. Science got us on a tight leash. <laughs> and, uh, of course, you can find the uh, the podcast version of this on, um, uh, is it evepodcast.com? Yeah, evepodcasts.com. It's plural. And, of course, iTunes. And I want to say thanks to everybody in the comments section. We'll see you next week. All right, bye, guys. We're going to actually let you uh, have an outro this time, and uh, we're going to give it to the second. Oh, it's gonna be, is it going to be really loud? <laughs> oh, it's going to be loud. It's going to be loud. Everybody, Everybody turn loud speakers. <laughs> All right. Three, two, two, one. one. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>